Would you please join me in prayer as we begin our message for today? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you that we can gather here today, that you are a God who is Emmanuel, God with us, and that you are with us while we are here, and we are, you are with us when we are out of this building, Lord, out in our world, in our community, in our homes, and with our families. I pray that this message of hope in times of hopelessness would sink deep into our hearts, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would turn us back to you, Lord, as our one true hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you all. I hope you all had a really nice weekend, and maybe some of you still have lovely meals to enjoy either today or sometime in the coming weeks, I'm sure. Um, I was hoping to be up here without a boot on today, but I'm still recovering from my surgery, and I have two days left, two days. And let me say, it's really hard to go six weeks without driving anywhere. So we have Andrew to thank for all that he does in our house, and in two days' time, I will be hopefully back to somewhat normal. So today we're diving into a new sermon series about how God is with us, and what a beautiful theme for us as Emmanuel. That is what we are called, God with us. And so today we're talking about how God is with us in the midst of hopelessness. And hope, it's this intense time of waiting for something to happen. It's this kind of hope where we really, really long for something to happen. We are waiting, and the thing is, we know that what we're waiting for is good and going to bring about change for the better. But that time of waiting can be really intense and really hard and sometimes really long, full of anxiety or worry or fear. In the Old Testament, there are two words that are used to describe hope. The first is yahal, which means to wait. Basically, where you're literally stuck in a place of waiting for something to happen. Like when Noah was on the ark and the whole world was full of water and he was literally stuck on this boat waiting for the waters to recede. Or maybe it's like being stuck in a long line of traffic or standing in a long checkout line while Christmas shopping or grocery shopping. You are literally stuck and you just have to wait. Another word is kava, which means to wait in tension. And so the first part of that word, Q-A-V, kav, actually means cord. And it's like a rubber band that is being pulled and intensely waiting to snap and break. So this type of waiting is this hopeful, hopefully hopeful, waiting of intense expectation. Recently, I was scrolling through Facebook, and sometimes I run across pretty fun or funny videos, and a lot of time they're funny animal videos, and I like to show them to my kids. And um, this one particular time, I ran across a video <clears throat> of a guy who likes to explode fruit with rubber bands. Now, this sounds really silly, but it was actually really hilarious enough that I had to pull Andrew aside and be like, we have to watch this. So basically, he takes something like this, like a giant watermelon, and counts how many rubber bands it takes to explode this piece of fruit. And he does this with various things like, um, let's see, lemons, peppers, jugs of milk, um, even a water balloon. So kids, don't get ideas. Make sure if you do this, it's under adult supervision, okay? Because eventually, 
the tension of those rubber bands gets so tight that then it goes like this, and it just completely explodes everywhere. And you know what? I guess if your goal is to explode a piece of fruit, this is really exciting time, right? It's what you hoped to do and hoped for. Well, this type of tension, this type of hope, have you found yourself feeling like this in the midst of hope where it's just the tension and the waiting is so hard and so intense that you're like, come on, Lord, all I want is for this to happen, for this hopefulness to happen, um, what I want to happen, and then it happens. And you're like, this is great. This is what I wanted. Like six weeks of waiting and hoping to be able to drive again and not have foot pain anymore. That's a long time of waiting, not just for me, but also for Andrew. It's like everything that you've been waiting for has come. Now, the cleaning up after that afterwards maybe isn't so fun. But it's what you hoped for coming to fruition. This idea of this tension with the rubber band and the pulling of the cords and the stretching and the pulling is, is a time of waiting and hopefulness, hopefully, otherwise it is hopelessness, where we are waiting for change to come. And I'm sure we've all found our place in that time of ten intensely waiting. Maybe it's for a, a child to come in the midst of pregnancy. I remember those long nine months and the anxiety of waiting for that child to come. Or maybe it's waiting to get pregnant and the struggle with infertility and just hoping to get that positive pregnancy test. Or cancer patients who go through chemo and then radiation are just hoping for that next scan to be clear so they can be cancer-free. Or we're in the midst of cold and flu season. Those 10 days of viruses can seem really long and unbearable and all you want is to wake up and feel better and be able to breathe again. Or maybe you're in the midst of long-term illnesses where you are waiting for a day when you can wake up without pain or to walk again or to live freely without the burden of, of what is upon you. Or maybe you've woken up and looked at the news and said, wow, Lord, why, why do we have this broken world full of bitterness or people who don't follow you? We watch the news, we scroll the internet, and all we see is hopelessness surrounding us. These times of intensely waiting and hoping for more for the future to come, that's not easy. And we can often get caught up in the hopelessness of this world and instead of putting our hope back in God. So one of the ways that we, as followers of Christ, can be reminded about putting our hope in God is by looking back in scripture to remember God's faithfulness. To remember God's faithfulness, we look back in scripture in order to look forward with hope. So I want to take us back to a time when there was a season of hopelessness among God's people. And this was in our Jeremiah reading today. Today in our readings, we heard from the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is one of the longer, lengthier prophetic books in the Old Testament, and to be honest, it's really long. It's kind of hard to read. Um, it's not in chronological order. It jumps around a bit, um, but it's a really important story. Jeremiah was a prophet and a teacher for God's people in, the in Jerusalem for about 40 years, 
And as a prophet, that meant that he would hear from the Lord. That was his calling to hear from the Lord. And then he would pass those words from the Lord back to God's people. There was no emailing, no sending cards, no downloading messages. It was, I'm taking exactly what I've heard from the Lord, and I am going to my people, God's people, and I'm going to tell them face to face and speak that to them. You see, our God is a speaking God. He does not abandon us to silence, but longs to talk to us. Just as he did with Jeremiah then, he does for us now. And it's when he talks that he, God, offers a voice of love, compassion, but also instruction on what to do. And at that time with Jeremiah, his role as a prophet was not easy because there was a lot of things going on with God's people at that time. And God was constantly talking to his people through prophets like Jeremiah to speak love, but also to speak warning about what the future would hold if they didn't continue to follow God as his chosen and holy people. So Israel, God's people, they were created by God and they were given a promised land. If you remember the story about how God brought them out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land as a place of safety and comfort and an identity as God's people and a place of worship. And in this land, they were to care for the land. There would be a temple where God would dwell with them and they could learn about him and worship him, and they were to live holy and separated lives from the rest of the world. And it's there that they would live a good and faithful life, a life that was flourishing, full of goodness, of love and security. But unfortunately, it did not stay that way because God's people chose to turn away from that life, the life, the good life that God had established for them. And God's people had turned away from the one true God who had set them free from slavery, who brought them through the wilderness to the promised land, and then they started doing terrible and malicious things like the world outside of God's holy temple. There were corrupt, corrupt leaders in government. The poor were being taken advantage of. The Israelites were basically like two-faced worshipers. They would go and worship the one true God and then leave and go worship other gods, false gods, counterfeit gods, like the god Baal. Baal was a counterfeit god, and he was worshipped by the surrounding, the surrounding places. He was worshipped as a god of fertility who would bring good crop to the land and flourishing life with children counterfeit to what God had intended. Yet worshiping Baal meant completely exchanging your life for him. He wanted your marriage, your sexuality, your trust in caring for the earth. Everything was given to this God, even to the point of child sacrifice. Kings and priests, they established leaders over Israel. They turned away from God. And time and time again, God would speak to his people and say, come back to me. Don't you remember my faithfulness to you, how I brought you out of slavery and I established this earth for you and established this safety for you? And Jeremiah would come to them and weep over them and say, return to the Lord. The Lord is speaking to you and longs for you to return to him. It's kind of like disciplining your child. Over and over again, you would say, Stop doing that. That's not good for you. Remember what I taught you. Come back to me and do as I've taught you. 
And God was patient over and over again, coming back to them. Let's take a look at what it says in Jeremiah 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, and a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you to a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Talk about a world that was full of hopelessness and despair. You see, God had established his kingdom, one where his where he would dwell with his people and give them a purpose and a future, one where they would belong and live an abundant and flourishing life. But instead, God's people chose to live this counterfeit life and turn to a counterfeit kingdom and worship a counterfeit God and turn away from the one true God who cared about them. This was a time where there was hopelessness and despair and destruction. The story sounds a little bit familiar, kind of like if you go back to Genesis and read the story of creation and how God had created a world full of life and flourishing and abundant goodness, and he dwelled with his people, and he created Adam and Eve, humanity, and longed to be with them. But then an enemy snuck in and turned that kingdom upside down and pulled them away God's people away from his goodness and his love and his dwelling. Or maybe if we look far into the future, like today, this sounds a little bit like our world, where our world today wants to claim our relationships, claim our children. They want us to turn away from believing the one true God who gave us our lives, gave us a flourishing and abundant goodness, a kingdom that wants to pull us away from having hope in the one true God. But the important thing is that God did not forget them. God made a way for them then, just as God makes a way for us now. It's because God says, enough. I love you. You are mine. You belong to me. Something needs to happen. I want to bring redemption and freedom back into this world. I want to reestablish order, reestablish good and flourishing life for you. And he was a patient God. At the time of Jeremiah and many of the other prophets, God was very patient with Israel. For 490 years, he was patient with Israel, constantly turning to them and saying, Come back to me, my children. But God saw that his people were consistently turning away from him. And he said, enough to this hopelessness, enough to this destruction. I will make a way. I will make a way. And eventually, judgment came. And Jerusalem was taken over by the Babylonians. And God's people were taken into exile. And they were taken into this 
season of hopelessness, but that wasn't the end of the story because in the midst of all that sadness, God was at work to destroy sin and reestablish his people here on earth. As we read today in Jeremiah 33, there was hope for Israel because God was still at work to bring redemption. He was working to make things right in the midst of hopelessness. So let's read a piece of that that we read today from Jeremiah. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. So our God was saying, I will not let sin win. I will not leave my people to this hopelessness and to this despair. And so God would heal them and forgive them of their sin and restore them as a nation. And he did that. He allowed them to go back in and rebuild the temple. But God wasn't just thinking about then. He was thinking about all of eternity, including us today. He was thinking about how he cannot let this cycle of sinfulness continue. So, there's an important part of this message with Jeremiah that brings us hope today, thousands of years later. And it's that God was at work to bring a royal king from the line of David who would be our righteous Lord and our righteous Savior. And so it happened years and years later through a little baby called Jesus who was our righteous savior and our righteous hope that came through a woman named Mary and a man named Joseph. This was 500 years into the future that Jesus was born. And so God was working in through all of those years to bring about the line of David, the king of the world, and that is Jesus. In our Luke reading, it said, do not be afraid, Mary, this is the angel speaking, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So God was faithful. In the midst of this counterfeit kingdom, God was steadfast. In a world that was full of greed and pride, idolatry, the world trying to steal God's people away, he did not leave his people, but worked everything out for their good. And he had a plan, and he brought his plan through Jesus. And Jesus was, came as a baby to be raised up into our Redeemer, who died on the cross, the final sacrifice for sin, to end that cycle of brokenness, to end that cycle of hopelessness and sin, and to bring hope again. And this plan of God's includes you and me. Because our God has been at work, is at work, and will be at work to heal us in our brokenness and meet us in our pain and give us hope for our future. So today I want you to see that the living God, Jesus Christ, he's offering you new life right here today. And if you are coming today and you feel hopeless, <laughs> like some of the things we talked about at the start of the sermon, 
If you are feeling hopeless, I want you to know that Jesus gives you hope in this kingdom. That you are a part of a greater story. That he has a future and a hope for you. Because our God is an everlasting God. And as it said, his kingdom never ends. In the midst of all these other kingdoms of the world that will end, our God does not end. In the same way that he was at work all those thousands of years ago, he is still at work today. So today I want to remind you of a few things. First is that God doesn't give up fulfilling his promises. Even if we don't see the results and answers in our timeline, remember back in those stories, God was working for hundreds of years to try and bring about redemption for his people. And so God works on his timeline, not our own. But that doesn't mean that he has given up in fulfilling his promises for us. He sent Jesus. He brought about redemption, and he still offers that to you today. Second is that the experience of God brings hope. The prophets of that time, they experienced God's word and provision by hearing his voice and listening to his word. And our God today gives us hope through the filling of his Holy Spirit. And so when we experience God, we experience his hope. This means when we turn to him in prayer, we can experience hope. When we read the scriptures, we can find hope. When we come into this place, like I love doing on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights with our youth, we can experience hope as a community of believers when we worship together and remember the words that we're singing and praising God for. Next is that hopelessness doesn't have to be an isolating event. Oftentimes when we are feeling hopeless, we can retreat, we can keep it hidden, but it doesn't have to be that way. Grief, pain, and despair do not distance us from our God. No matter how distant we may try to become from God, our God is still near and close to us. It says in the Bible that God is near the brokenhearted. His name is Emmanuel, which means he's God with us all the time meeting us in our grief, meeting us in our suffering, and promising to work everything out for our good. And then lastly, remember that there is a hope for the future. There is a hope in the new creation that God promises us. In Revelation, it talks about the final end of sin, the final end of hopelessness and despair, where we will one day be with God in his new right kingdom, in new creation, where there will be no more death, no more suffering, no more pain, and every tear will be wiped from our eyes. We have a future that we get to look forward to with our God that is an everlasting kingdom that will last forever. And this is the God that we worship today. He says, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, it is finished, I am the beginning and the end. So today I want to invite you to have hope. Hope in Jesus Christ and all that he offers us as an infant, as a king, as a ruler, as our priest, as our sacrifice, as our one true God. Today we sing the song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, and it is probably one of my favorite Christmas songs because it is a song that has two major themes running through it. One is that it's a prayer. It's a prayer 
that asks Christ to come among us, to come and release us, come and bring rest, come and establish your kingdom, come rule in our hearts, come raise us up. But then it's also a proclamation of what we know to be true, and it's that Jesus was born. Jesus was born to be, bring freedom. Jesus was born to deliver. Jesus was born as a king, and Jesus was born to reign forever. So today, my prayer is that we would come to God and say, Come, thou long-expected Jesus. We place our hope in you. Amen.